This week, I was uh, was left here last Sunday, and and I wouldn't, I've been honest, I wouldn't normally start thinking about unless we're in a series. I wouldn't be thinking about what's next Sunday going to be about. But it, before I even left the building last Sunday, I was kind of going, God, what's what's next week to be? Because I know there's a there's a series that I'm going to start preaching from next week about discipleship and stuff. But this week, I was like, I don't know what we're going to talk about, and. Um, and I suppose it was playing in my head all day Sunday. And Monday morning I woke up and there was a scripture in my head. And it's from, it's in two places in the scriptures. It's in Matthew 12 and it's in Isaiah 42. And Matthew is quoting Isaiah. So it was said in the Old Testament and it said about Jesus in the New Testament. And, and I just want to quote two lines because these were the lines that came into my head. And it was, a bruised reed he will not break. And a smoldering wick he will not quench. And... I had that and I had nothing else. And I was like, what? What's that about? And I was only telling some of the guys the other day and I was saying, did you ever see a program years ago on the telly? It was like, um, here's the answer. What's the question? Do you remember that? Your man used to give the answer and then they had to guess what the question was. Paddy's old enough. He remembers. Okay, everyone else is too young. Okay. But, um, and I felt that for, for a couple of days. I was like, God, I have the answer. What's the question? What's there? There's a scripture. Well, what's it about? And then I realized this week was um, World Suicide Prevention Day. And it all clicked into place. That, that what God is saying is that the bruised reeds are our lives and smoldering wicks are lives. And we don't, I, like, I don't see many reeds. Reeds are things that grow in rivers. And, and I've looked up preachings about this and like I've, I've seen guys who have spent, it looked like they must have spent an hour talking about what a reed is and what it does and what it doesn't do. And, uh, and to be honest, I don't really care because it could be a bruised oak tree. It doesn't matter what it is. The fact of it is it's bruised and it's damaged and it's been hurt. And you don't, you don't get a bruise unless there's been damage and there's been some kind of contact. And bruises usually hurt. I fell. I was down in uh, Mayo a couple of weeks ago and I went up Crow Patrick and I fell. And I fell on my elbow and, and I was black and blue from kind of here up until about here. And you couldn't touch any of it because the bruise was ouchy kind of. Do you know that kind of way? Um, and bruises hurt. But bruised reeds are useless. Reeds aren't the best of things in the, in the best of times. Do you know what I mean? They don't have a lot going for them. They grow in swamps. They're very flimsy. They fall over. If a duck lands on them, they're, they're squashed. They're dead. Um, I honestly don't know what use they are, except that the frogs want to hide them. That's about it. But they must have some use because God's put them there. Maybe it's for the insects or whatever. But when they're bruised, they're useless. But the scripture says that God won't even... Get rid of a bruised reed. He helps it. And he heals it. And that scripture comes in Matthew after Jesus has done a healing. He's healed someone who was a leper, whose hands had been damaged. And Jesus says, stretch out your hand and it's fixed. And it's like, maybe he wasn't a leper, I can't remember exactly. But, but here's the thing. Jesus took a man who was stigmatized by society, who wasn't wanted, and he made him whole. And a smoldering wick, we, we live in a land of electricity. We light candles because they look nice. We light electric ones in here now because somebody went off one day and nearly burnt a house down when we left live ones lighting. So we use electric ones now. But the reality is whenever you see a wick and it gets too much stuff in it and it's spluttering and folding and it's going to give up the ghost, we usually throw it away because you're thinking that candle hasn't got much left in it. So we get a new one and we get rid of it. And God is saying, even when there's only a sliver of life left, that's enough 
for Jesus to come in and make the difference. And there's several different places in the scriptures where, where people were on the verge and they had given up and they didn't have anything left in them. Elijah is one, Moses is another, Jeremiah, Jonah. There's several, Job, there's several different people in the scriptures who were sitting there going, God, kill me. I can't do this anymore. I can't take the disappointment anymore. I can't take the pain anymore. I can't take the fight anymore. And it was like, just kill me. I've had enough. What's amazing in them stories is God never killed any of them. He actually helped them. He strengthened them. There's this beautiful piece in in, um, the book of Kings about Elijah when he had confronted one of the greatest evils that the country had ever faced. And he had won this amazing battle against all these people who were against him. An army of prophets of Baal, they called it. And, and he won. And he called fire down from heaven. How many of us has ever called fire down from heaven? I mean, I can hardly get a fire lighting in the house. Never mind get it down from heaven. Box of zip, maybe, and a, and, a, and a fire bag. But other than that, we're in trouble. But he calls fire down from heaven. And he proves God is real. And he has all the false prophets killed. And he wins this absolutely amazing victory. He's on a mountaintop experience. And then he hears that a woman says she's going to get him killed. And he goes into the deepest depression you can think of. And he goes running. And he does what many people nowadays also do when they're struggling. He isolates himself. He pulled himself away from all of his supports. He even had a servant and he told him, you stay here, I'm going ahead on my own. I don't want you with me. And it's in this place and he sits down and he's going, God, let me die. Let me die. And I wonder how many people we know in our circles who are possibly in that place who are possibly in that place of depression, who are possibly in that place of, of overwhelmed, of lost, of nothing left. No fight left in us. I wonder how many are sitting in this room. It's because I think God told me to preach on that scripture because he said there's brewers people going to be sitting in that room. And we get bruised in lots of ways. We get bruised emotionally, relationally, financially, physically, in lots of different ways, spiritually. But God wants you to know that that bruise doesn't have to stop you having a whole life. God wants you to know just maybe because your, your flame isn't burning real bright, it's only a little flicker, maybe it's just gone out and there's only a puff of smoke and a little red glow left in the wick that he can bring that back to a fiery flame again. That there is nothing impossible for the God that we follow. Nothing. And there's nothing that you can do or I can do that can separate any of us from the love that he has for us. And the plan that he has for us. And the place that he wants to bring us to. I was thinking of Elijah and I was thinking of him. And I thought, I wondered how many of you could get up here and share a story similar to Elijah. And I bet you there's a good few. Who've been in that place. You've been in that place of darkness. Maybe you were, or maybe you weren't suicidal. 
But it's often in them places we feel like God has abandoned us. In 2013, I had a breakdown in work. Um, I worked in the prison service in, in Mountjoy Complex. And I had a, um, a thing happen in the office one day, a phone call, and, and I just fell apart. I had, I'd had enough. The straw that broke the camel's back. I couldn't take any more. And um, several hours and several phone calls later to a counsellor on the phone and a couple of hours, and I got myself out of prison. I had to go through four security checkpoints to get out of the place. I didn't want to be walking out there full of snots and tears and just a mess. So I get to the car and I come home and I went to see the doctor in the afternoon and I got a, a note off of him and, and funny, I just want to talk for a second about stigma and how because one of the biggest things I had happen to me in that moment in time was shame. And it was shame because I wasn't able to cope. And I should have been able to cope. And I wasn't expecting to go that way. Um, I never actually went back to walk in that place, ever. There's boxes of personal belongings still in there. I've never even collected them. Um, and I spent probably three or four months in a place with God where there was days, definitely nights I went to bed and said, please don't let me wake up in the morning. And during all of that, I functioned at a level in certain areas of my life that were like mad. When I look back on it now, I still don't know how it worked. I preached here nearly every Sunday through that time. I brought a team to Belarus that Christmas. Um, I functioned at home. No, I didn't really function at home. That's a lie. Anytime I sat at home on my own, I was just in tears. And it was like... I was the bruisest I think I have ever been as a human being and it was in that moment that God came through it was in that moment if you read from 1 Kings when Elijah said take my life Actually, it says he came to a brush, a bush, a broom brush, and he sat down under and he prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. And then he lay down under the bush and he fell asleep. Sleep is an amazing escape when you're in that dark place. An amazing escape. But you know what God did? He woke him up. He sent an angel to wake him up. And he didn't send an angel to wake him up and give him a kick and tell him that he wasn't good enough. He sent an angel to wake him up and tell him to have something to eat. And he cooked him breakfast. Because it says the angel, all at once an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. And he looked around and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals in a jar of water. And he ate and drank, and he went back asleep. And then the angel of the Lord came back a second time, and he touched him, and he said, Get up and drink, for the journey is too much for you. 
Listen to them words. The journey is too much for you. So he got up and he ate and he drank and strengthened that by that food. He travelled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. That's from 1 Kings 19. Elijah had had enough. He was tired and he was afraid. But God wasn't finished with him. And God is not finished with you. And I don't know what's going on in your life. I don't know why God has me preaching this. I don't know why God has me sharing this. But it's for a reason. God is not finished with you. And I don't really care where you're at. I don't care how bruised you are. I don't care how black that hole is that you are in. Or whether you think you don't even know that you're in a hole. God is not finished with you. Because there's nothing on this planet that can separate us from the love of God. Nothing. And there's nothing on this planet except us that can separate us from the plan that God has for our lives and to bring us to that place of fruition and the place where he wants us to be, where he knows he created us to be in. Ephesians says God created us to do stuff. God created us for a plan. Jeremiah says that he has a plan and a purpose for our life. And it's not to hurt us and it's not to wreck us. But it's to give us a hope and a future. You put all of them things together and then you look and you go, but you don't know how bruised they are. You don't know what I have done or what I haven't done. And I was thinking in, 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 in the Gospels, the Gospel messages, there's a place where Jesus is confronted um, by a crowd of religious people and a woman that they caught in, in adultery. Um, there's there's a, a one-minute clip I just want you to show. Tony, will you hit that for me, please? Scripture says, he said, neither do I condemn you. So, I don't know how accurate that is. I don't think it's accurate. I think that woman was probably naked. I'd say she was dragged from the bed 
by people who thought they were better than her and had fingers pointed at her and accusations thrown at her. Some of them were justified. She had messed up. But the compassion of Jesus wasn't to condemn her. The compassion of Jesus was to restore her. And when you go through the, the, the story of God in the Bible, his whole thing is about restoration. His whole thing is about it doesn't matter how messed up you are. It doesn't matter how messed up things are. And it doesn't matter how much you have messed up. There is restoration. There is a place in God's heart for each and every one of us. And sometimes that's done with a hand stretched out like that. And there is no condemnation and come. And sometimes it was with a slap. And sometimes it was a kick. Jonah wanted to die but he was having a pity party. And God gave him a slap and it snapped him out of it. Moses was overwhelmed with the workload and the people he couldn't cope with. God sent help and put help around him. Elijah, the man who wanted to die, ended up being taken up to heaven in a chariot for fire. They're real people who experience real fear, real depression, real sadness, real loss, real bruises. They're not just some fictional characters in a book. Their lives, their statistics, statistics ruin us because they stop us seeing faces. If you've watched with us over the last couple of weeks the videos from A21, you'll see they keep pushing back against using statistics and start showing you people's faces. Because they're people. And they say all of that to say God connects with people. He wants to connect with you wherever you're at. In the depths of my pain, God reached out his hand. and brought healing. But you need to notice something about what happened even in that video. That woman had to put her hand back up and take God's. He won't invade your life. He will come in and he will heal and he'll restore and he'll challenge and he'll create the most amazing future. Oh, he will do it only in cooperation with us. We are the one thing that can stop that. We started the worship session with a scripture. Kathy read it from Romans. Um, and I just want to finish with it as well. But I want to finish with a bit more. From verse 28 in, in Romans 8 it says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. You know what? Just, if we're going to be made like Jesus, Jesus suffered. 
He didn't have a happy life. And he certainly didn't have a happy end. Well, middle bit. The very end was okay. Sometimes being conformed into the likeness of Jesus includes pain. And that's not pleasant. And I'm not trying to say it's pleasant in any shape or form. But it's real. It's a real encouraging kind of message, isn't it? And those he predestined, he also called. And those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say in response to this? Listen to this. If God is for us, who can be against us? If God is for you, who can be against you? He who didn't spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, preciously, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It's God who justifies. Who is it that condemns? Christ Jesus, who died more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is interceding for us. He's standing in the gap for you and me. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword, as it is written, for your sake, we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. Now in all of these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And here's the bit we read earlier. For I am convinced. Are you convinced? For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation, will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I want to finish with this. We're going to play music on a slide. And we have two or three minutes left. And this is not about you coming up the front or putting your hand in the air around, but I do want you to close your eyes. Because I just want you to focus for a minute. I want you to focus on the picture of Jesus putting his hand out and lowering his hand from heaven down in front of your face. And you and him are the only two who actually know what's in your heart. You are the only two who know the joy and the pain. You are the only two who know the disappointment and the excitement. You are the only two who know the past and he is the only one who knows the future but the question for you now is will you like that woman on the ground reach your hand up to him because what he's not promising you is a pain free life what he's not promising you is an easy ride but what he is promising you is peace in the midst of it what he is promising you is joy in spite of it What he is promising you is an eternity with him in heaven. And what he is promising you is the power of his Holy Spirit in your life right now to forgive, to let go, to heal, to forgive yourself, to forgive others, to do whatever it is you need to do to walk into a place of freedom with him. Because pain is a slave master. Regret is a master of our past. Shame is a slave master. 
Guilt is a slave master. Anger can be a slave master. Self-righteousness can be a slave master. But Jesus came to set us free. So while this prayer is just for a minute, I want to ask you for the next 30 seconds. Just let the Spirit of God search your heart. And if there's something there, if your life has been bruised, if your flame is barely flickering, then I want to invite you to invite the Holy Spirit to come in and heal that place in your life. And release the fire of God upon that flickering flame so that it would burn bright for you and for your family for your loved ones for the people around you that we would be not just the walking wounded but the healed wounded that we would walk in freedom that we would walk in life that we would live out the promises of Jeremiah Father, I just ask you, in this place, in this just sacred space, just a couple of seconds. That the oil of heaven would flow. That the balm of your Holy Spirit would come. And that you would run over hearts. And Lord, I pray that right now, that there would be no condemnation. Because you came to set us free from that. That the word guilt would stop today. Anger would stop today. Rage would stop today. Whatever is there would stop today. And that from this moment on, that people who have stuff could come to you right now at the foot of your cross and experience your healing and experience your grace and experience your joy and your peace and your excitement and your adventure for what is ahead. Lord, I pray right now that you would release freedom into our lives. I pray that you would release hope into our lives. I pray that you would release power into our lives. The power of your Holy Spirit to live the life that you created us to live. Lord, I pray that from now on we would never sell ourselves short anymore. That we would never believe the lies of the devil that have put us into this place in the first place. Moses, the devil's lie to Moses was that he wasn't good enough. The devil's lie to Elijah was that that woman was more powerful than God and that she could kill him. But God held the power of life and death. The devil's lie to me was that I wasn't good enough. But Christ promised me I can do all things through him who strengthens me. So, Father, I pray you release in us today. You release and release. 
Release our hearts and our minds to serve you, to love you, to live for you. Release us to be all you created us to be. And I ask it in Jesus' name. God bless you. Peace.